This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Inglis sales graduates dominated the Group 1 scene right through the 2019-2020 season. They got away to a flying start when Samadout won the Wink Stakes, the first Group 1 of the season. Vow and Declare won the Melbourne Cup, Exceedance won the Coolmore Stud Stakes, Super Seth won the Caulfield Guineas, Natoya the Doncaster, Quick Thinker the Australian Derby, and Nature Strip the TJ Smith, just to name a few. In total, Australia's leading thoroughbred auctioneers provided 22 individual Group 1 winners. They had the biggest number of stakes winners who won the biggest number of races. English sold the highest number of three-year-old Group 1 winning Colts and the highest number of stakes winning fillies and mares. Won't be long now and the Group 1 round starts all over again with the Wink Stakes at Randwick on August the 22nd. You can bet the English graduates will be right in the thick of the action again in the new racing season. Very interested to watch In Good Time go around in the Ascot Handicap at Eagle Farm in June. I knew trainer Tracy Bartley had sent the mare to Brisbane a few days earlier when he learned the Rose Hill track was going to be very heavy. He arranged for Barry Lockwood to take delivery, to engage a suitable jockey and to saddle her up on the day. And Barry secured the services of Dale Smith, who's been in Queensland for just two years after a 22-year stint in Victoria. Barry Lockwood, like several other astute uh, Queensland trainers, was quick to recognise the capabilities of Smith, who's already ridden 100 winners since moving north, and his ride on In Good Time in the Ascot Handicap was a 10 out of 10 effort. Since then, he hasn't stopped riding winners. He's won races on horses like Queen Sweeper, Star of Michelin, Fat Beats and Fast Train and several others. Dale was an only child born in Derby in Western Australia. His father, Barry, was a successful jockey. His mother, Helen, was from a family of horse trainers, including her own father, Brian Moore. Barry Smith held a dual jockey trainer's licence in Darwin when he succumbed to cancer at just 36 years of age. Soon after, Helen moved to Perth with her young son and prepared to rebuild her life. Dale was initially apprenticed to Neville Parnham, later to Luke True, before moving to Victoria, where he landed a spot with Terry O'Sullivan at Stall. After a productive 22 years in Victoria, Dale, his partner, trainer Melissa Taylor, and their young daughter, Alira, very bravely pulled up stakes to start all over again in Queensland. We'll fill in the gaps and join the dots as we talk to Dale Smith on the podcast. Thanks for your time, Dale. Great to catch up. Thank you, John. I've been getting very good reports about you from several different trainers in Queensland. They tell me you're a good horseman, you're a good judge of a track gallop, and you don't mind a bit of hard yakker. Yeah, it's always been um, probably one of my best attributes in, in life is, you know, I've always like, uh, you know, never shied away from hard work. And I think you do your hard work, you know, you get you get the results. 
Is it a fact that you and Melissa and Alira arrived virtually unheralded in Queensland? Did anybody know you were coming? Um, not really. Um, when Melissa had sort of thrown the idea at me, and at that at that time she was also uh, my manager, uh, getting my race rides, so she was, you know, wanted to uh, threw the well, she threw the idea at me, and um, mm. I said, well, if that's the case, I think uh, we're probably better off trying before we sort of uh, throw everything up in, into disarray and move up there. So, yeah, the first two for the first two weeks or three weeks, I'd had I. Um, also had obtained rides from Les Ross, mm-hmm. and that was where my association with Les Ross all started. Mm. And Les was obviously the first trainer to give you a kick along. You know, you're not the first jockey I've heard mention uh, the name of Les Ross. He's uh, he's helped a lot of people along the way, hasn't he? He, he has. Uh, you know, he's, he's very much the larrikin, I feel, of the turf, but uh, also has a lot of, uh, you know, good traits. He's got a good heart and he, you know, he, he sort of liked the way that I was working as well and, mm. you know, he was very, very keen to get around me when um, I, I sort of showed him that, um, you know, I was here for, you know, to, to uh, for the long haul. Mm, that you were deadly serious about it. Yes, that's right. Now, Dale Les, of course, trained your first Queensland winner uh, on the sunny coast, a horse called Dapper One. Uh, must have been good to get that one off your back. It was, um, and it wasn't too long after we got here either. So it was, it was, it was felt like a monkey off the back. Um, you know, it was funny when I first come here. There was, you know, there's, there's, there's the big stigma here in Queensland was, you know, everything, every track you had to get off the fence. Where I've sort of felt that I've made a little bit of an art form of it myself, and mm. I, I, I prefer to stick to the fence. It was always taught to me it was the quickest way home, and. And that was how my first winner came about. Everything peeled off the fence and I went. I come from sort of second last last and went straight up the fence and, and took the honours. Mm. There were several other trainers up there who took a shine to your work ethic and your ability uh, and obviously people like um, people like Barry Lockwood, uh, Liam Birchley, Tony Gollan was putting you on for a while and so was Rob Heathcote. Yeah, yep. So... Um, you know, I, I had great opportunities from from the guys that you've just spoken about, plus a lot more, um, to, to say the least. But you know, um, singling out them guys, they they obviously jumped on onto me pretty quickly, mm. and I was able to uh, repay them for what they were giving me. Yeah, and I felt that um, you know things were going pretty well, um, and and we were really starting to enjoy Queensland. And we and we'd also I'd also like I say you know it didn't take long, so we've hit the ground running here and you know it just um, just kept unfolding uh, perfectly. It was it was pretty much like a perfect fairy tale. I felt. Mm. Liam Birchley gave you a very good opportunity on a horse called Fit for the Purpose in a Stakes Race, and you delivered the goods. Yeah, well, it was a funny story that one. He um he 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 was sort of unsure of. Uh, running and I wasn't even sure I was riding. Um, and then the morning of, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it hadn't been scratched. So we went to the races and um, I'd done a lot of homework on the horse. He had his, you know, he had a few little tricky traits. And um, another one that I went straight up the fence. It come from second last at Doomben and everything peeled off and and it got up the fence and it, it won. Um, and it was a little bit unexpected from that Liam didn't expect him to win. He thought he'd go well, but um, I'd also spoken to Matt McGilvray 
he'd ridden at the start before and he actually thought that it, that the horse was probably not quite up to that level at that point in time. Mm. Well, you were based in Brisbane for a while, but about three months ago, you and Melissa decided on a relocation to that bustling training centre at Corball Park. Now, Melissa is currently training a team of 10. You're riding hers work and you're riding work for several local trainers, including uh, Daryl Hanson and Stuart Kendrick. Yeah, that's right. We ha- we just uh, we moved up here just to the simple fact because, you know, Eagle Farm, Deegan, Doombin are so big now that there's, there's just no more stable allocation going around. Um, and, and, you know, obviously being a popular training facility at, at uh, Eagle Farm, so... The opportunity arose for uh, Melissa to grow, um, and I'd felt that over the 18 months that I had established myself now that I could move away from headquarters at Eagle Farm mm-hmm. um, and, and, and come up and go to um, Corbell Park. So I just gave her the opportunity to uh, expand her business and and also be a team business as in you know I do I, like you say I do I do a lot of riding for Melissa and a lot of track work and you know it's it's uh you know to me it's not a job it's it's not work it's it's mm. a lifestyle and um you know doing it together as a team means it means the world to me and and, and we've got a very good bond Dale we'll come back to your current situation a little later but for now I'd like to retrace your steps to Derby in the Kimberleys where you spent the early part of your life. Yep. What was your very early experience with the horses? You obviously would – you'd have a pony. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, my grandfather, he obviously trained, as you'd said, in the in your intro, and mm. there was a lot of older horses there that had gone past their used-by dates and, um, and, and, and rode a lot of ponies. We had seven – my grandparents were on 75 acres – Mm. And it was just, it was just the best, best thing that ever happened to me was growing up on seventy five acres. You know, the four or five kids that would come out to our our, our property, and we'd disappear for the whole day, and, and the adults had no idea where we were. We were just, you know, very adventurous and mysterious, and and got up mm. to mischief as young kids do. And you know, you'd come home at at um, dinner time. So it was, yeah. it was a great part of my childhood. Your dad Barry was a very successful apprentice in Perth. And you were telling me that on one occasion at a Belmont meeting, he did something rarely achieved by an apprentice. Yeah, so he had um, he originally had five rides at Ascot, uh, sorry Belmont, mm. and he and he rode the first four winners. And the stewards had actually stood him down for the last ride mm. because they didn't think he'd be the one in the last could win. So they wanted him to keep the record. Mm. Um, and so he was one of the first apprentices. Um, at, at Belmont, and as I think I'm pretty sure he was a claim, claimer, uh, mm. claimed uh, four, four from four. So, and, and as it worked out, the thing that they did take him off, he'd end up winning as well in the last. But anyway, mm. um, it, it, but that, at, this, at that point in time, it was you know record breaking for, for uh, any apprentice in West Australia. Mm. What are your memories of your dad in the days when he held a dual license in Darwin? You'd have been what four or five years old at the time. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right, John. I was about four or five at the time, and um, you know, I, I, a lot of great memories. You know, my dad. We had a horse called Wahid, um, and and my dad's brother actually was apprenticed to my dad, and um, so it was pretty much a big family organisation up there, and um, they were going for the triple crown. Um, and and the horse fell short, 
on the last leg, but um, he won the he won the uh, won the guineas up there. Mm. Um, and and that day I do remember very very clearly um, as my dad was able to be there. He was actually we had flown back to Perth for a um, chemo session, and and my mum had actually took over. Well, pretty much was uh, foreman at that time, and I remember her taking it over for the day. And um, that that's that's one thing I do vividly remember. Mm. Mum took you back to Derby for a while, but later, with your best long-term interest at heart, she decided to move to Perth, and there she enrolled you at the famous Trinity College in East Perth, and that's where you did that all-important early education. What sort of a scholar was Dale Smith? Uh, Dale Smith was uh, go to school, eat me lunch and my recess, skim through classes and get home as quick as I could to go there, back down to the stables. <laughs> so there was never a doubt uh, where, in which direction your future lay? No, no that was definitely uh, – it was an early given, that one. Um, but then my mum did say, well, since she's paying so much money for the college, uh, if I hadn't had a uh, – a passable mark by the time I finished year 10 mm. that she would have made me repeat and uh, not go to the stables. So I sort of pulled my head in that last year um, <laughs> and scraped through with C's and D's. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then I was uh, able to th- throw the card at mum and we indentured myself to, uh, uh, yeah, to Neville Parnham. Mm. Well, Trinity College had the same shortcomings that most schools have when it comes to students who like horses. Sadly, the curriculum doesn't include the specialised subject of horse racing. No, that's right. And, uh, you know, I think racing kids, or part of people that are part of the racing industry, people don't, people don't, don't I don't think, understand where us kids come from at times to times. So, mm. but you're right, there is no curriculum for it. And um, I think as as the years have gone on and what I saw in Racing Victoria, what they're doing with their scholarship programming, mm. I think is amazing. I think yeah. it's, a, it's a wonderful initiative. You said Neville Parnham signed you up. There were He had a few apprentices at the time. Yes. Yeah, so there was Warren Hughes, um, myself, and he'd also had an apprentice that was on a um, scholarship from Singapore or Malaysia, one of the two. And, um, yeah, so I was sort of uh, – one of three apprentices there, and Neville had quite a substantial amount of horses at that point in time, and only growing bigger. Mm. Um, we, we, you know, that was where I learnt the life of being an apprentice. Um, to not say the least, I did have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder as mm. um, I, I sort of was running with my dad's name a bit. Um, and, really? and as I yeah. got older and looked back, I sort of sort of felt like giving myself, if I could go back, you know, 20 years, I'd give myself a bit of a kick in the backside because yeah. uh, it was, you know, just one of those, <laughs> that point in time where I thought I was bigger and better than what I what I actually was. And, you know, mm. but typical young young kid stuff with, you know, you start getting involved with a lot of money uh, and a lot of responsibilities. Mm. Well, Dale, it's very honest and very forthright and very upfront of you to, to make that admission. And uh, let's hope that... Uh, some of those young kids who might be listening with a chip on the shoulder can take heed of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's what I've worked out as I got older. You know, it's 
the chip on the shoulder. It's, it, it does, just doesn't get you any, anywhere fast. It, um, if anything, it slows you down um, or it clouds your judgment. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen a lot of kids leave the industry just to the simple fact because, you know, the chips clouded their judgment. Yeah. Well, every jockey remembers his or her first winner. Now, to achieve this memorable feat in 1998, you had to be driven five hours to Geraldton and then another two hours to Yalgu, which is 500 kilometres from Perth. Population, at the time you were there, 164 people. It had yeah, a, dirt, a dirt track with no running rail and your ride was a chestnut mare called Little Battler, trained by a lady, a Ms Angela Sharp from Geraldton. How did you get on it in the first place? Well, at that point in time, as being a first first year apprentice, um, Neville would never allow us to have managers. So um, I was ringing around and doing all my ringing around at that point in time, and and just say, it seemed that uh, I struck struck Angela at the right time, mm. and uh, yeah, I was able to get on on that horse. And it was funny because in the days of in, when when I first started riding. You weren't allowed, weren't allowed to pull a stick for your first twenty rides. Mm. Um, I, I I sort of forgot that uh, submission when I was halfway up the straight and thought, "Yep, <laughs> I'm going to win this." And that that whip, whip went out the uh, the rule went out the door. So it was, uh, <laughs> a little bit of white line fever, but do remember the race very vividly. And I had one instruction: don't go up that inside sand because if you hit that, you'll go uh, cartwheeling. As there was no rail, it was just what they called the windrow. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you won by four lengths. There was no mucking about. No, no. We made, I definitely made sure of it, John. Now, you left Neville Parnham uh, at some stage of your apprenticeship and you transferred to Luke True. What was the reason for that? Um, I'd got myself into a little bit of trouble, um, to say the least, and Neville, Neville had... Uh, what, obviously, he wasn't happy. Um, I wasn't happy. My mum wasn't happy. Um, and I sort of I had spoken to uh, my godfather, Mike Becker, who mm. has independent stay-ins at that time and now Stockwell Thoroughbreds. Um, mm. He And so we were in contact and he was doing his best to get myself over to uh, Victoria um, yeah. to Terry O'Sullivan at Stool. So with that short period of time, um, I think it was about uh, – Two to three months that I had left, um, left him. I did in Perth mm-hmm. with Luke. Um, it was just yeah. sort of kept my head tread, treading my, myself above water and, and trying mm. to keep out of trouble, and, um, and 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 then sort of get to, to Melbourne as soon as I could. Mm. Well, you had a total of 150 rides in Western Australia, yep. for 15 winners. Now, three of them. This must have been a day and a half. Uh, you won three in one day for a trainer called Angela Smith, very well known. She won a Perth Cup in the late 90s with a horse called Time Frame. Where, which track was that, Dale? Where, where yep. did that treble occur? Yeah, so that, that was a track, and they still race there to this day, called Narragin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was a very memorable day with um, Angela. And, and it's been funny, you know, it's been over the years that I have had the odd phone call from time to time from Ange um, to, to go back and ride. She does the broom circuit now and goes up north a fair bit. Um, mm. And and um, yeah, she's she's uh, she's thrown a phone call to me once or twice and asked me to go up for a broom cup, um, which I'd love to. 
love to achieve one day, but just at mm. this point in time, I just probably wasn't quite ready. Mm. I think she won a Broom Cup two or three years ago, Angela. Yeah, I think she, I think you're right there. And um, mm. at that point in time, they were struggling to get jockeys up there. So I think that would, could have possibly been the time that she gave me the call. Mm. Well, you finally landed in Victoria at Storwell at the stables of Terry O'Sullivan. Now, you tell me you were still a little bit on the rebellious side at that stage. You hadn't straightened yourself out completely. Not completely, but uh, I will say one thing, and I've got the greatest respect for Terry and pretty much looked at him a bit of a father figure as I lost my father at an early age. Mm. Uh, he gave me the kick in the backside that I really needed. Mm. Um, and, and look, to be honest, if it wasn't for Terry and his great family, I, I, I don't know if I how far I really would have got through my career. Mm. But, um, you know, being two and a half hours out of out of Melbourne and a little town at Stall, wasn't too much trouble I could get into. And, um, and and Terry was able to straighten me out, and and I believe that's where I, I felt that I found my niche with my my work ethic, um, yeah. and 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 started really honing in on, you know, uh, on how the horse felt underneath me, and and mm. just you know really concentrating on what I was meant to be doing instead of mucking around and mm. running off running off the rails a bit. Dale, I'll just get you to stand by for a moment whilst we clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with Dale Smith. After this, English sales graduates dominated the Group 1 scene right through the 2019 2020 season. They got away to a flying start when Samadout won the Wink Stakes, the first Group 1 of the season. Vow and Declare won the Melbourne Cup, Exceedance won the Coolmore Stud Stakes, Super Seth won the Caulfield Guineas, Natoya the Doncaster, Quick Thinker the Australian Derby and Nature Strip, the TJ Smith, just to name a few. In total, Australia's leading thoroughbred auctioneers provided 22 individual Group 1 winners. They had the biggest number of stakes winners who won the biggest number of races. Inglis sold the highest number of three-year-old Group 1 winning Colts and the highest number of stakes winning fillies and mares. Won't be long now, and the Group 1 round starts all over again with the Wink Stakes at Randwick on August the 22nd. You can bet the English graduates will be right in the thick of the action again in the new racing season. Well, although apprentice to Terry O'Sullivan, your first winner in Victoria was for an owner-trainer called Barry James, who gave you a very proud moment in 1999 when he put you on a mare called Lycra Lady in the Sheep Hills Cup at Warwick Nabeel. Now, it probably wasn't an enormously important race, Dale, but it sounded good. Well, it did, John, and and, and to to be able to get the first winner and be a cup and, yeah. being, a, and being a three-kilo kid, it didn't matter. It was a cup, it was a cup, and, uh, <laughs> um, and it just worked out that Barry James was in New Zealand with Terry O'Sullivan at the time, and Barry had turned around and I said to Terry that he hadn't had a rider for his horse and he told him that he just required this new apprentice from Perth and think he's worth giving a go and that was pretty much how how, how it panned out and um, Barry just simply said to me, it was it was first up I think for that day and he just said to me, son, just jump out, find your feet and let it work home and it was exactly how it panned out. Terry O'Sullivan had one in the race that kicked clear, horse called Clear Springs. Yep. And I was able to run it down. Um, 
over the final 50 metres. So, yes, it was it was definitely a race that I do remember um, and, and still hold very, very close to me as, you know, it was, it was, it was my first sort of uh, major goal that mm. I got in Victoria. Well, it was a landmark win, 1999, the Sheep Hills Cup at Warwick Nabil. Now, Dale, you got a big buzz in the middle of 2000 when a veteran trainer called Mel Hutchins from Daniloquin gave you a few rides on a marvellous old sprinter called Sir Boom. Now, he won $800,000 20 years ago. You won a race on him at Flemington, but most importantly, he was your first ride in a Group 1 race. You ran fourth in the Manicato Stakes, won by Sunline. What a wonderful gesture by Mel Hutchins to put you on in a race like that. Yeah, it was it was amazing, and and um, I before I had sort of rode Sir Boom, I hadn't really heard of him or Sir Boom, to be honest. And mm. I, was, I was doing a little bit of work with um, the legendary um, Alan Trevina, um, who'd put me under his wing a bit as well. And uh, he he, I think I think on the on the quiet that he he did actually sort of teed up with um, Mal and just to, to tell him to give me a bit of a go. And mm. um, yeah, so. We won the I think, I think at the Flemington Flemington race. I'm not sure which race it was off the top of my head. It might have been the winner winner cup or something like that. Mm. But um, but to repay me on my very first Group One, uh, very much uh, a very surreal mm. and, and and remembering too though you know everyone Sunline was like the black caviar was of this era. My you know, everyone went there to watch her and it was all about Sunline and. Um, just to be in, in proximity of, of this amazing animal um, was just, you know, it was very over, overwhelming. And, um, you know, but I, I felt that for my very first Group 1 ride, I, I kept my composure pretty well. You mentioned Alan Trevina, former great jockey, and in later years he and his wife Gail trained horses from a chuka, and you won some races for the Trevinas too. I did, um, and, and and very very nice, lovable family. Um, Alan, pretty much, I treated them as, you know, um, if I, as a mum and dad as well. If I was to go up there and ride track work with Terry, let me do that once a week. I'd go and stay with them and, and ride a bit of work with them, and um, you know, just being part and and to sit down and listen to to Alan Trevina and his and his stories, and he was a person that I could just sit down and listen to all day, and 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 just you know, really absorb what he was telling me. And, you know, it felt that was, you know, also one thing that – a major thing that helped me in, in just, just my riding as well. Well, you eventually found your way to town and transferred your indentures to Leon McDonald, who had a Flemington stable in operation at that time. And here you got to ride arguably the best horses you've ever been on. You rode Umrum and Gold Guru in track work – and you actually had a race ride on both horses. In fact, on Umrum, you finished third in a Group 3 at Flemington. I think it was the Gilgai Stakes. Yeah, that's right. Um, Umrum was quite a big, awkward horse, and I actually hated riding him. He just – because I was so small and so light, he used to just hate me for the ride, and I was ended up being a passenger. And mm. it, was, it was a very difficult horse. Um, Gold Guru, on the other hand, old stayer, um, good old stayer. Um, he was he was an absolute dude to ride and got along with him quite well. But the day that um, I rode both those horses, um, I, we claimed Leon claimed uh, when, with my allowance off 
gold guru and ended up being having to carry 49 kilos. And I think in the race that we rode Umrum in, well, I rode Umrum in, he carried 59 kilos. So it was sub some sub 10 kilos where I had to make up. Mm. Um, and either, either either direction of which way the races worked out. But um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that day Bomber Bill won that race and, and mm. uh, another great. And uh, But I tell you, it was, it was an absolute privilege. And it was a bit bit hard too because Leon McDonald had also said to me, uh, son, I don't want you to use the stick on this horse. Mm. And it was sort of – I was starting to get to re- be renowned as a, a bit of a hard stick rider more than anything. And mm. um, I sort of looked at him and – Okay, yes, boss, no worries. <laughs> as, and as it worked out, um, I never pulled the stick on him and rode him hands and heels all the way to the line, and it was a, a very close margin yeah. um, to Bomberville, and I felt that the horse had gave me everything, and mm. that's where I think I re- it, it made me realise where I started to change my style a bit, and it wasn't always about the stick. And it no. was a lot about keeping your horse balanced and, yeah. and, and keeping into rhythm. So. Yeah. You know, that's that's that was one thing I definitely took away from being at Leon McDonald's. That was the defining moment. It was, it was, um, and 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 that's where I sort of felt that I found my niche, um, and and started to to improve within myself, and um, and, and and felt that I was getting a lot stronger riding hands and heels, and then and then so much relying on a on a, on a whip. A very significant horse for you in the early two thousands was a bay mare called Skew Whiff for trainer Darren Weir. Now, you won a maiden on Skew Whiff at uh, Warwick Nabil for, I think, another trainer uh, by the name of Coffee, and you didn't ride her again for 18 months when you won a listed race on her at Caulfield and then another listed at Morfordville. But your final ride on Skew Whiff was memorable because it's the closest you've come to winning a Group 1. You ran third, beaten a head and half a head in the Emirate Stakes behind uh, Sky Cuddle and Lad of the Manor. I'll bet that one's clear in your memory. It is, very much so. Uh, it was funny. Well, I, I'd just come out of my uh, – I'd been out of my time for a little while and I still was walking around pretty pretty light. Uh, and, I, and and at that time we had, um, had penciled in Sir Dex in that race uh, for Greg Hickman. Um, mm. And then also, but we also um, got the the opportunity to get back on school riff, and I jumped at that. Um, it was one thing that I felt that I had to prove to Darren um, and and myself. But in that meantime, then Peter Moody had also rang me to ride Sky Cuddle. Mm. Um, so I pretty much had the pick of the forty nines that day, and um, it decided to stay with uh, Skew Riff. Mm. And I remember very clearly, and a good friend of mine, Jason Bembo was riding Sky Cuddle because he rode, he'd walk around 47 ring and wet. Mm. And I went past him at the furlong marker like he was nailed to the floor. Mm. To see him come chugging back past me, I was devastated. <laughs> you thought you had his measure. Oh, I thought when I when I let her go at the furlong that um, that it was all over. Yeah. She was a little bit suspect on the mile, John, and, 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 that, and I think probably – if I could have waited another 50 metres, it may have been the difference of winning and losing. But, look, mm. uh, gave me a terrific, terrific ride. And to be part of her journey throughout her career was definitely one horse that I do definitely remember, um, especially those two horses we were just talking about. So I've actually got those two mm. photos sitting in my uh, in my lounge room as we speak. Pride of place. Uh, yes, that's right. You had about 12 months of your apprenticeship remaining when you signed up with Mick Price at Flemington and so began an association 
that was destined to last for 15 years. Now, you got a 12-month extension on your apprenticeship when you went to Mick Prices. How did that come about? That came about about three days before Christmas um, 1999, I think it was off the top of my head. Um, I'd had, um, or it might have been 2000, uh, I, there was a big fall, race fall at Werribee mm. uh, where Lucas Dowson, myself and Brendan Fennick, um, we all come to uh, become hit in the deck. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so three of us all fell in the race and I, I broke uh, pretty much every bone in my, in my foot and ankle. Oh, goodness me. Uh, so this, this enabled you to get this extension of your apprenticeship? Yes. Uh, so when, when, once I was sort of with, um, with Mick, we were able to sit down and talk about to, to apply for the extension um, and, and, and with Mick's guidance and help, we were able to op- obtain the extra 12 months on top of what yeah. was re- remaining. Mm. You got a, a few new favourites on your list uh, during that price era. Uh, Love You Madly was a very good mare. You rode her in 12 of her 14 starts. You won six races on her in all. You won city races on Vocabulary and La Bella Dame. And then there was Callan Deesh. What a terrific horse for you. He won a total of eight. Uh, you rode him in all eight and he won them consecutively. Yeah, it was um, it was an amazing ride with him. Uh, I, I, I only got on him in his first start was because he was quite a, a big, raw, awkward horse, um, mm. to say the least, and it wasn't the nicest of rides. Um, and I was able to... Uh, Somewhat control, have control of him. So his first start was at Sandown. No, sorry, it was at Cranbourne, um, and he won quite, quite, uh, quite well. Mm. So then it sort of, uh, that's where it sort of spiraled on. I sort of sat down with Mick and sort of had to plead my case. Mick was a hard boss, mm. um, you know, like he had the likes of Damien Oliver and Michael Walker and all those sort of good jocks that were there trying to hunt up for the ride. But uh, with myself pleading, pleading the case on him, mm. I, I was able to win him over and. And became very good friends with a lot of the owners in the in the horse, which then became they entrusted me with with mm. their pride and joy. And his last his eighth winner was the Seymour Cup. Mm. Um, it fell in. Um, they we done a lot of work, and, but it was an amazing horse. It was an amazing ride, and you know I met a, um, we we'd met a lot of you know great people along the way, owners, um, and, and and he had a little his own little sort of support uh, crew himself. So it, it was one horse that. You know, especially at Mix, that really stuck in my memory, and I felt that may not have made my career, but but definitely made it very memorable in my mm. career. It just so happens that a certain young lady called Melissa Taylor was apprenticed to Mick Price at the same time, and you two hit it off immediately. Mel well, rode fifteen winners, and then she had a nasty fall, Dale. She sustained a complicated knee injury. And sadly, that brought her riding career to an end. Yeah, I, I don't know about um, kicking off at, at first sight. Um, I do remember, <laughs> uh, I, well, after years of being together, I turned around and says, I actually hated you first time I seen you. But anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, no, she must have done a, um, she was doing an amazing job as an apprentice with Mick and, and she was also sort of taken over after I'd finished my time and I was still riding work with Mick and um, it was just unfortunate for her for her career to be to be taken away after a short period of time 
you know, it's, it's different as, as both Melissa and myself have spoken about, mm. it's different when it's on your own terms and you walk out of racing, you, it, you, it's, a, it's an easier swallow. But when, mm. when something that you dearly love and, and dearly passionate about mm. gets taken away from you, that's the hardest part. And, Tough, and, yeah. and, and it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain to people, but it's just, it, it becomes, you know, it, it does become very depressing at times. And, and we you know we've, we've, um, we've just had to work through it. And, and hence why now Melissa um, has got a trainer's license and, and, and a great little team. Mm. Shortly before your departure for Brisbane two years ago, Mel bought a tried horse called Napoleon's War which had won a couple of races for Andrew Noblet in Victoria. At his second run for you, he ran second, beaten a whisker at Doombin. It was almost a dream start. Nearly was, nearly was. Um, Larry Cassidy actually rode it in that race. I, for, some, for, for something different, I was suspended. And um, <laughs> uh, look, when I first got up here, it was, you know, it was it sort of became a bit of a tra- trade that I was getting suspended every second week. And mm. so I was unable to ride him. Um, I know Melissa had a uh, a small little wager, we could probably say, um, mm. at 90 to 1 or 100 to 1 on him. And mm. to go down at, at such a short uh, margin, um, it, it was it was an amazing day and a memorable day, but would have been even me- more memorable if it had won. Of course. He did win a race later, though, didn't he, at the sunny coast with you back on board? Yeah, yeah. So um, he had his fair share of issues. And Melissa, it was probably a horse that, I think myself that deep down it, it worked. It really worked for Melissa because she was able to to learn about you know different things with different horses and little different problems with horses. And this bloke had did have his fair share of problems. And I think by the time he had won, we got him right. And it was just unfortunate one about uh, a month later that uh, he struck a ordinary track back at the sunny coast and 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 done a tendon, and that was the end of him. Mm. Well, Mel's now stabled on course at Corball Park. She's got 10 in work, as we mentioned earlier, and I'm pleased to hear she's riding work on a regular basis and you're riding alongside, which is terrific, a real partnership. Well, that's right, John, it is. And like I said earlier, you know, to, to work as a team and, 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 and being together. Um, you know, some people say it doesn't work. I'd beg the difference and say that I think it's made us a lot stronger. Uh, yeah, we, we have our fair share of blues and arguments, <laughs> but what, what, what good marriage doesn't. But look, uh, you know, I, I feel that it has uh, made us stronger. And, you know, uh, I, I've, I've always said that Melissa has been, you know, my, my, my biggest backbone and, and my rock. And I, I'd mm. fair to say that Melissa would say exactly the same about me. Mm. Well, you and Mel have a nine-year-old with the exotic name of Alira. She was certainly born to ride, and boy, can she ride. Pony club, show jumping, dressage, you name it. Yeah, she's, um, she's, it's funny when you, you can see a, a child ride for the very first time and you can see if they've got the seat or not. Um, and, and as soon as she got on her very first horse, and not being one-eyed, um, you could just see that she was, um, she just had that natural seat. And a, and a beautiful set of hands on her. Mm. Um, and from then, she's just grown in leaps and bounds with ponies that we've able to require, uh, require over the years. Um, you know, she's gone out and ridden at the Sydney, Sydney Royal and the Melbourne Royal shows and 
and, and competed at, at some very high levels at quite a young age. Mm. And we're very proud of her. Um, and, and don't worry, she keeps keeps us on the level. Um, I think my little bit of uh, when I was a child's coming out in her, she's um, <laughs> can, can be on a little bit of the wild side. But, uh, look, she does keep us uh, on it, but we're very proud of her. And, and um, you know, we've never made her do anything that she doesn't want to do. She doesn't. She, well, she hasn't ex- explained to us that she wants to be a jockey, and I'm quite happy to keep that one out of the conversations at this point in time. Of course, yeah. But you know, if she wants to ride, well, that's you know, we will not, we'll never stop mm. her and achieve uh, whatever she would like to do. Mm. Well, Dale, getting back to that Ascot handicap at Eagle Farm in June, I was talking to Tracy a few days before. He told me he'd sent the mare up by transport, and that Barry Lockwood had taken delivery. Uh, got her to the races, saddled her up and engaged a jockey called Dale Smith. I knew very little about you, but I watched that race with great interest and I think I said to you uh, when we first spoke on the phone a few weeks ago, nobody could have ridden that mare better than you did on the day and I've taken an interest in your uh, subsequent rides and you're doing a terrific job up there, mate, and I can see why. A lot of experience, great dedication, great focus and uh, I think your best days are ahead. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, look, you know, John, my my main objective and my main goal, and it doesn't matter if it's for Barry Lockwood to um, Tracy Bartley to Mick Price. It doesn't matter who they are, where they're from, where they come from. They put me on their horses. My got my objective is to give that horse every opportunity, and and the opportunity to win the race. And if they don't. And they get beat on their own merits. The trainers can't blue, and and everyone leaves happy, even though it might get beat. It um it, they they all leave happy, um because I just hate leaving the uh you know the question in in any owner's mouth you know why why what where when how mm. so I just like to try and um try and achieve my very best on that horse um on every every race that I ride in, but I guess it's a bit like. I can save myself is probably a bit like a bottle of red wine, John. I've just got better with age. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Well put. Been a delight to have you on the podcast. Thanks for talking to us and keep up the good work, Dale Smith. Much appreciate it. Thank you, John. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress.